Welcome to the uh, Sci-Fora Film Podcast. Uh, I'm Andy Walker and I'm here with my son, Scott. Hello there. Hello. And uh, we are luckily joined today by uh, Emma Dark, whose film uh, Salient Minus 10 we reviewed um, recently. And uh, she is joining us to talk about her filmmaking. Hello, Emma. Welcome. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. And thank you for joining us. Um, for those that don't know you and know about your uh, past and things like that, could you just give us a quick thing of how you got into making films and and uh, got to where you are now? Yeah, so I started making uh, like genre film in 2014, and that started with uh, a film called Seize the Night, which was a kind of very different one to say that minus ten. I think you'll agree. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was following on from like I for quite a few years I modelled and then I started doing acting and you know I really wanted to make my own film so it's kind of um, you know been up from there I guess really. Right and you, I mean you, you've acted in, in, in other people's films and things uh, along the way as well as doing your own um, mm -hmm. so uh, and uh, I mean all of those are available on YouTube I believe. Most of them yeah most things are. Right right um, well we so we, we were quite interested, I mean, we loved all of us, uh, my son and his girlfriend, Amy, who unfortunately isn't well enough to be joining us tonight, but we all reviewed it and we all loved Silent Minus 10. Um, but we were interested in a few things like why there was the change between doing the sort of uh, horror sort of stuff to going to sci-fi. Was there a mm -hmm. specific purpose um Okay, for, for me, those those lines are blurred. Um, if, if you consider my first film, Season Night, some people might call that a sci-fi. Some people might call that an action. Um, you know, it's got the, the horror elements are really in what, what the characters are physically. So they're physically vampires and werewolves. But that's kind of where the horror begins and stops. The rest is about kind of more drama and thriller and um, action. Yeah. And then uh, Salient Minus 10, Okay, it falls mainly on the sci-fi side of things, but it is a dark sci-fi. And you'll, you'll know from the scene, uh, there's quite a grim scene in there. And I really wanted that to look as grim as possible to bring in that horror element. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, like, I mean, those, those things, both of those films got horror elements in. And that's the kind of thing that I like. You right. know, I wouldn't make anything that didn't have a dark edge to it. Right, okay. Start with you. Yeah, it's, it's just it's fair enough. I'm just saying, is the are you are you more interested interested in doing sci-fi or is it just a mix of genres? No, I'm not. I'm not more interested in sci-fi or more interested in horror. Such, I mean, if we're talking about anything, anything I do will have horror in it. 
you know, even if it was some kind of like rom-com, it would be a horror rom-com. <laughs> Not that I'm going to make a rom-com. <laughs> just, just let that straight. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Like, I love sci-fi. I love horror. Probably horror is the primary thing for me. So whatever I did would have that horror element in it. Right. Cool. We, um, I, I, I was one of the things that we all agreed that we, we loved about Salient Minus 10 was the cinematography, the, 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 mm. the, the framing, the shots were incredible. And I know you worked with a guy called Philip Bloom. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, uh, I mean, have you worked with him before? Will you work with him again? Because I personally think that they, it was brilliantly filmed. Yeah, well, Philip, I hadn't worked with him before. Um, he sort of came on board after he saw my crowdfunding on Indiegogo. Um, yeah. Philip is one of the world's top cinematographers. He's one of the people, if not the person, that basically created the whole um, digital camera movement that we see today as filmmakers, enabling people like myself, yourself, to make films. So right. he really advocated that at the time. Um, and I don't think we'd be in quite the same position if he hadn't. Um, he's also worked with George Lucas, so, you know, I mean, he is like, well, you can see his work, he's, it's brilliant, isn't it? He's absolutely fantastic, and I'd absolutely work with him again. Brilliant, it's great. I mean, Scott was saying about this, he was asking about um, Alan, and Alan Austin in particular. Hmm. Um, we were just wondering, where, how have you managed to, to meet up with these people and get involved with working with them? Because they kind mm. of seem... I don't know. If you, I'm not being rude to anyone. Not easy to bump into. No, they're not I'll easy to bump into. I'm talking about something to bump into in the shops or something like that. To have a repertoire, like you said, of like yeah, your yeah. film, your camera crew working with George Lucas, or your actors yeah. have been stuff with like Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff. It's not something you could just bump into in the shop. It's no, just, well. I I met Alan, so we were both signing in a convention. Um, I can't remember where it was actually now. Oh God, it's DaleCon, Rochdale, I think. Um, yeah, we were both signing at Rochdale, uh, Rochdale's DaleCon, which was a sci-fi convention. And that's where I met Alan and we got on and he said, you know, he was an actor for many, many years and he'd recently given it up. And I said, well, why, why have you given it up, you know? And um, yeah, when I made Salient, I invited him to audition for it. And, he was absolutely excellent. I mean, I had a few people come along. They're all brilliant, don't get me wrong. But yeah. Alan just really got that part down perfectly. Yeah. Um, and in terms of Philip, yeah, he, he approached me. So um, oh. I guess I'm quite lucky that with, with the people I've had on board, you know, I haven't really specifically set out to approach anybody. They've approached me more, really. You, I mean, the thing is that you have kind of uh, you've, you've made a, a, a name for yourself in I, I think um, you know because I've talked to people uh, that I've only met at sort of uh, conventions and things and they've heard of you or they know of you so you've mm. kind of made your name and you, you, you people know who you are so I suppose it makes things a lot easier to you know to, to talk to these yeah. people get involved with them yeah, I think so. And again, when it comes to sort of like this making a name thing, again, I don't really know. I can't really give advice on how that's come about. I mean, I've just obviously I've got the passion for what I do. I love what I do and I want whatever I do to be the best possible quality that it can be. Yeah. So I just, you know, 
any film that I make, I will I will basically make it the best it can be before I put it out there. And um, you know, I think probably was having a bit of acting background as well and the modelling stuff that's got me some of the signing conventions. And um, I think all that kind of stuff helps get your name around. Yeah, yeah. See, um, the other thing was you were talking about um, the fact that you not only uh, directed and produced mm -hmm. films, but the writing of the films as well. So. Mm. What was the question you were looking? You were asking Scott about. Yeah, I obviously you're like you said you're you've you're you've put you've got your name for yourself. You've got you've won awards for your films. You've done you've got achievements for it. Do you find do you find there's a pressure on you to make to carry on writing to that standard, or is it just something you like you just go out to write a film, or do you have that that when you write it, you have to you're thinking to yourself, I've got to make it better than the last one. I think there's always the expectation that everybody's next film is better than the previous one. I also think we know as filmmakers and fans and stuff like that, that that isn't always the case, you know, things are varied, you know, it's, it's kind of a hit and miss really. Um, as long as I'm making what I want to make, I think that's the important thing. Um, in terms of the writing, season night, Rick Humphreys in America was my screenwriter. So obviously I had a screenwriter on board. It's a different story when you've got loads of dialogue and things like that. Um, for Sadie Minus 10, I didn't intend to have a lot of dialogue. So basically I just wrote that myself. I didn't have a separate screenwriter or anything like that. Um, I think I did show it to Rick and see what he thought of it. But yeah, I mean, I just kind of went ahead with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I would potentially bring a screenwriter on board again. It depends how much dialogue I'd have in something. But I, I always think short films shouldn't be too full of dialogue anyway. No. Yeah. I, find, I actually found it quite... I find it interesting with your films and with Salient Minus 10 in, in particular was the fact mm. that even though it's got minimal dialogue the story flows so well and it, it kind of doesn't need the dialogue to draw to, to drive it on um, it kind of works perfectly as it is um, do you uh, where do you I mean <laughs> where do you get the ideas from where have, you, where have your ideas come from is it um, just part of your dark psyche or is it uh, events that have <laughs> happened that you dreamt about or whatever I don't know. yeah well, there's definitely there's a dark psyche there with all the things that I, I think of but um, yeah say that you might have said like it did come from a dream like the original scene which actually is not actually in the short film but there's an original scene I just kind of dreamt it and I thought right okay this is I have to make it and I want to make it in this kind of retro style and stuff like that and then I just went ahead and wrote the script but I think it actually took me about a month and a half to write the script because you know you have some days where you're just really creative and really flowing and I just wrote a bunch of stuff then I kind of got to a certain point and you know life got busier and I just couldn't complete it and I guess it took about a month and a half but that's that's pretty good actually I mean it's it's, it's, it's a lot going there's a lot going on in that film and, and mm. it, it's really works I think it works brilliantly well pace wise um thank you I, um, what was I going to say now? Uh, <laughs> um, I would I'm trying to broach this subject without making it sound like I'm being a kind of uh, I don't know. Uh, do you find any problems with with making short films and with uh, making films in general um, as a woman? Because 
I know that there's, yeah, we've, there's a lot of thing lately about the diversity coming into mm. filmmaking and about uh, making sure, you know, this whole woke thing and all that. But mm. I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. Do you, do you feel that there's a, has been a problem that is there still a problem? I don't think there's any problem with making a short film as a female filmmaker. I've not really had any problems with cast or crew um, or, you know, raising a budget or anything like that through Indiegogo, etc. Or, you know, go playing festivals and stuff and getting awards. Obviously, all those things are great. There's been the media coverage. It's been fantastic. The only thing I will say from my observations mm. is my male peers um, that are probably around the same sort of level as me they're always getting kind of private investment backing and um or you know offers to direct this that or the next thing and right. i would say that's not happened for me so whether that's something to do with me being female or not i don't know I, i'd like to know but yeah or maybe they just think i'm awkward and i'll just go and do <laughs> my own thing i don't know <laughs> I can't Who's to say? <laughs> um so well uh, where do you go from here? Are you going to be doing more um, of the sort of things you've been doing with uh, Salient Minus 10 and your own things? Or mm -hmm. um, are, are you looking to expand and do some bigger sort of like projects and longer films? Yeah, do you know, I would actually, I think at this stage, I would like to make a feature film. Not just because it's one of those things that says, oh, I'd like to make a feature film. They're better than short films. I don't think they're better than short films. No. They're just longer than short films. <laughs> However, what I will say is a feature film, if it's on the same kind of level, say Sailing Minus 10, would get a lot more media coverage and it would get the cast and crew a lot more recognition around the festival circuit. Sorry. And that, I would really like that. Um, okay, you can also say maybe you can sell it on in the end and make your money back. I don't think you can really make much of a profit, to be honest, for something very indie. Um, yeah, so I, I would like to make a feature film, but whether I can, A, raise the budget to do that, because, you know, it's more time to shoot, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a lot more expensive than doing a short film. And I already spend quite a lot of money on these short films. Mm -hmm. And um, then, you know, securing people's time to do it, really. Yeah. Uh, it's not like they can shoot it in three or four days like a short film so yeah I really would like to make a feature but if I don't I think what I might may do is I already have an idea for a short film that I really want to do that will be more of a full-on horror is so I could do that and have it like almost as a segment of something else so off, well, maybe off the back of that I could find a funder I was I was just going to say about the fact that you were uh, you, you did the short film as part of the uh the, the lockdown horrors, uh, yeah, the isolation, the isolation, horror, isolation yeah. horrors, um, which is, if I'm right, it's going to be released on its own. Is that right? Yeah. So actually, it has been. Uh, so the isolation horrors is released on YouTube, and I would really encourage people to watch that because I think it's really cool with all the different segments together. And yeah. I think Nikolai did a great job of doing his wrap around everything as well. Really, really good job. And um, that's also going to come out on DVD release in America and people should be able to buy it through Walmart and other uh, websites and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'm just bringing Gorio out as a standalone as well, just to put on my channel. So, you know, just to keep content going and stuff while it's relevant. And I would, I would actually do it. So obviously I'm not going to be shooting a festival film this year with COVID and no. everything like that. So it would be 2021, but I might do another one of these mobile shot lockdown kind of shorts again, because um, 
okay, in if you compare it to my other short films, it took 12 and a half days completely solid for me to do that on my own. Right. It's something that's probably achievable again um, this year, so I wouldn't mind doing another one. Well, that's good. Cool, cool. Were you going to ask something about that? Yeah, it's just with the lockdown, with this whole COVID um, stuff that's going on, everyone's sort of finding it hard to get up, carry on their normal lives. Are you finding that? Are you finding it? It's changed your way in writing or if your way of thinking of uh, for filming or um not exactly i will just say before the whole lockdown thing i was very anti-mobile filmmaking um i didn't really think you could do much that looked amazing with a mobile phone unless you've got an expensive lens kit or something like that yeah. um and i was forced by nikolai to do it as a mobile shot film you were not allowed because i couldn't use my beautiful sony a7s mark ii so i had to use my phone so i was, I was quite pleased with the end results i mean it's not like you know mega mega it's not as good as you'd get with the sony or something but it's not bad so i, I liked it i really liked it yeah yeah and it was quite because obviously i just i just didn't use a lens kit i just used the standard lens which is a wide angle which meant i could actually i shot it in this room this is the background from that so it was quite easy to um to shoot with it really yeah good cool yeah that's um so uh what was i gonna say god my brain's gone blink um <laughs> i don't know what i was gonna say now so yeah you do all your you, all your i mean obviously you put money into it yourself but all of the, mm. the main part of your funding you get through uh going to um indiegogo is that easy? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so it's easy to put something on Indiegogo. But the thing is, then once you've got it on there, it's almost like a full time job. Keep, you know, you know, it's like it's promote, 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 promote constantly, you know. Um, and you've, you've got to have like decent products on there that people aren't going to be able to get, you know, just after, you know, in a couple of years' time when you release your DVD. They need to be special things, t shirts all this kind of stuff. Um, luckily with mine, Indiegogo did actually promote it as well. They pick a few different films and then they start, you know, just putting it on their Twitter and stuff like that. So I think that did help. Um, yeah. But I mean, I would say probably 90% of the funding came from people I knew. So it's not generally like people are just, you know, they just go through Indiegogo, what project shall I back? You know, some people yeah. do, but generally they don't so yeah you have to push a lot and you have yes yeah, relying on people being interested in your films and wanting some memorabilia for it really yeah well i know i mean i i know i looked into it myself into the, the what if there are any grants or things like that available and there's very little out there um yeah. and what there is seems to be given to people who are very young <laughs> yeah that's the problem i found as well there's there's a lot out there if you're under 25 yeah if you're not there's not much unfortunately so yeah it's a bit difficult isn't it you you kind of forced to do the crowdfunded or pay for it yourself but i don't think i would unless it was like going to cost a couple of hundred pounds yeah I, I mean you know something obviously like the gorio thing that i shot on my phone that cost nothing it just cost me a few um stock sound effects and stuff like that yeah, and yeah. In it, i've not got to insure myself but you know as soon as you 
you're out doing something like sailing, you've got all your insurance to pay for, which costs loads anyway, your locations, yeah. your catering and stuff. And I'm just talking, you know, sandwiches or anything like that. All of, the, all of these small things start yeah. racking up to a large amount quite quickly. Oh, yeah, I don't know exactly what you mean. Um, well, um, do you have anything else you'd like to ask, Scott? Um, I can't remember. So, <laughs> out of, sorry, I've got something written down. Is one out of the sort of films you've done, mm. what would you say was sort of are you enjoying more writing your own films, or was it the acting part that you preferred being in front of the camera? Or are you enjoying more being behind it now and putting your ideas out there for everyone else? Yeah, see, I think there's a mistake, um, here because. If you look on IMDb, it lists me as an actor first because I've got more credits in acting than I have in directing. I have no aspirations to be an actor. <laughs> I only act in things just to keep my face kind of front of camera. Because I do think it's important. If you look at people like Tarantino, he does appear in films. Yeah. And I do think it's important that people make a connection with you, see who you are, um, you know, that kind of thing, rather than being a mysterious presence somewhere that nobody's ever seen. Um, I do think it's beneficial to be in front of the camera, but you know I've not got any aspirations of being some kind of a top actor or anything. I'd rather be making films. So, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, um, I can't think of a lot more we had to ask you really. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. It's been lovely to talk to you. Um, yeah really looking forward to seeing more films of yours um on either on the youtube or on vimeo or mm -hmm. wherever um and hopefully in the on the big screen once at some time um, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah well you never know maybe if i uh, if i get the next one i did have hollywood interest after um salient but oh. unfortunately it didn't go past interest into uh, turning into like actual work so uh -huh. um, but you never know, do you? You never know. Yeah. Maybe the next one is just the one that pushes it over the edge, and yeah, absolutely. Fingers absolutely. That's, that's the one thing I would like, I, that I'm looking forward to because obviously, seeing the stuff that I have done of yours, like Salient, and seeing the fact that, <clears throat> yeah, like you said, it's taken a while to do it, but the fact mm. that you've made a 10 minute film as powerful as you did and as intriguing as you did. I am, I would love to see what you could do with a feature long feature length film. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, we just need a, we just need a big private investor to say the same thing now. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Emma. And uh, as I say, we hope to uh, see more of your stuff on on uh, the screen. And uh, we hope to talk to you again at some point. Thank you yeah. Very thanks much. very much for having me. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Scott, and uh, thank you to, to all of you listening, and uh, we will see you again soon on the Sci-Fi Film Podcast. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. The Sci-Fi Film podcast.